0: Uh, we finally get to Rosh Hadesh Elul uh, I decided to use this uh, from uh, the Torah resources the uh, the books we're reading from Tim Hag. I hope he doesn't mind didn't ask him yet but anyways um, uh, I'm going to quote a, a couple of pages from uh, about 50 pages of a couple of books. I'm going to try to be quickly because I know we are all tired. I'm just going to remind you what we've been studying all these years. Uh, but uh, I'd like to talk to you about a little bit more about. And again, I'm quoting a couple of books. One is this one. Uh, they are uh, non-believers in Yeshua, but they got pretty good insights. Is uh, Rob Dobber Pinson. The month of Elul is the days of introspection and transformation. This is time for introspe- ins- oh, introspection and transformation. You know what I mean. Anyways, calendars are scripts. They provide the storyline and the stage directions for the year based on movements of the earth in relation to other celestial bodies. In the story of terrestrial time, which all calendars strive to tell, there is most most often the one other primary protagonist in relation to the Earth, this being either the sun or the moon. Throughout the world, virtually every calendar tells the story of Earth correspondence with one of these two celestial characters as they chart their path across the sky. Every calendar, that is, except For the hebrew calendar in our calendar there are two simultaneous and interlocking stories functioning within the year we collate and count time by both the solar and lunar cycles from the lunar cycle we count the month of the year from the solar cycle we count the days of the year thus there are two different calendars Calendrical New Year's. The lunar cycle begins with the first month of the year, Nisan. That's why this is the sixth coming from Nisan. While the solar cycle begins with the first day of the year, Rosh Hashanah. Confusing? Are you? Yeah, me too. Anyways, the days of Elul are therefore the final 20 days of the yearly cycle determined by the sun. S-U-N, sun. According to the lunar count of the month, however, Elul is the sixth month. More confusing? yeah. The oral Torah calls Elul the uh, Harit Shana, end of the year. It's not Shana, Shana. Uh, This term is derived from following the Torah verse referring to the land of Israel. The eyes of Hashem, your God, are always upon it. From the beginning of Hashanah, the year of the end of Shana, the year. That's Devarim 11.2. We just read that verse in the last uh, portion of the Torah. The beginning of the year is Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah, or Rosh Hashanah. The end of the year is Elul. More confused? Yes, I know. But it's okay. Don't worry about it. Uh, and then I have a couple more quotes i like to read from this cool book. Ezra, you know who Ezra was, right? Ezra enacted a decree for the Jewish people that they should read the portion of the curses. So we just read the portion of the curses in the varim. Right? Re We just read that. That are recorded in the book of the Varim before Rosh Hashanah. What is the reason, in order that the year may conclude together with its curses, it or thirteen b, if you read in the Talmud? But what does the year in its curses mean? Does every year really have its own particular curses? Perhaps this is an allusion to the struggle people with uh, with the struggle people have with endings. The curse being the end of the year itself. In this perspective, every end is a type of curse of hardship, which is really an opportunity, something that we need to overcome and transform into blessing before we start a new year. In short, if we do not end the year consciously, we will not be able to move forward properly. When we do not own our past before letting it go, it will, re, it will resurface and continue to repeat itself. We don't want to repeat our past, right? We want, to be, we want to transform all those mistakes into something good, into blessings. God is a God of blessings. He likes to bless us. Of course, there are curses in there, but we don't want those. Right? We want the blessings. We don't want the cursings. Ending the year on a positive positive note with cultivated authenticity and compassionate awareness allow us to make a strong beginning with a real sense, a real renewal. It takes intelligence to know when and how to start something, but it takes even greater intelligence to know when and how to end. Elul is all about such endings and learning how to consciously complete things. One way to think about this is that in Elul, we inhale our past year, take it in, and assume full responsibility for the way we lived our past year. When we do the appropriate Teshuvah, returning to our highest truth or returning to God, we can gently say goodbye to the past. Then we can freely exhale our energies into the open field of the future year. The truth is, the way we end something reveals the true relationship we have with it all alone. When a person completes a session of Torah study, for example, the manner in which he kisses the book, or the way he affectionately puts it away, shows his love for the content of his learning. Similarly, when the years come into a close, the way we kiss and put away our past experiences reveals how much we honor and have learned from them. So are you ready to leave your past away? I hope you do. I hope you do. Um, so... We're going to just overview, and we're going to look into the different uh, things that we've been studying for a while. I'm going to quote from another book from Rabbi Simon Jacobson. The month of Elul is a time to reflect and introspection. This is another point of view. The other one was talking about introspection and transformation. This one talks about reflection and introspection. Uh, The Hebrew calendar is like no calendar that exists in the world today. It's not a highway that progresses from past to future in linear fashion, as does the Western calendar familiar to all. It is a spiral staircase that went around, cycling the events of history, drawing their energy ever upwards. In other words, it's not linear, but spiral. I've been putting images about it. I didn't this time, but uh, you know what I mean, it's a staircase going up to heaven, like getting closer and closer to God, that's the image, of course all of this is spiritually, there's no a ladder, don't look for the ladder, don't be like Led Zeppelin looking for that ladder that doesn't exist, <laughs> that the ladybug, you know, all the, all the uh, baby boomers probably know that, right? Anyway, as we travel, other people are like, what is he talking about? Anyways. Um, uh, As we travel throughout each year, we revisit the energy of ancient days, energy of time and beyond time, energy of freedom, of destruction, of mourning, of forgiveness, of empowerment, of joy. We use that energy to uplift events from our lives that are inevitable. Parallel the lives of those that came before us. In the spring, in the month of Nisan, the month of Passover, we gain access to the energy that freed our ancestors from bondage in Egypt in order to set ourselves free from whatever it is that enslaves us. In the summer, in the month of Av, the month of destruction and mourning, we come to terms with the ruins of broken homes, broken marriages, broken dreams, and learn to draw comfort and consolation from others and from God. In the winter, in the month of Kislev, Kislev, the month of Hanukkah, we use the light of victory and holiness to illuminate the darkness in our lives. Two of the most powerful months of the Hebrew calendar, the month of Elul this month, and the month of Tishrei. Elul precedes the high holidays, and it is a month of preparation for them. So, we started at, uh, on, on Shabbat. The, the, um, Elul started at Friday uh, evening, and the whole Shabbat. And today we are celebrating the second day of Elul, which is in the diaspora. We do the second days. So for reasons of time, we had to do the service at this, at this moment. Uh, so Tishrei, which is the holiest month of the entire year, contains the monumental holidays of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, Hoshana Rabbah, Shemeneh Azaret, and Simchat Torah. These two months embody the energy of renewal after destruction, rebirth after loss. The energy of love and forgiveness, of empowerment and joy, Elul and Tishrei capture the very story of life itself. <clears throat> this cycle encompasses half the year, and its energy repeats itself every year at this time. We see in the energy of destruction and loss in the three weeks between 17 of Tammuz and the 9th of Av. We see the energy of consolation and love of the month of Elul we see it in the energy of renewal and forgiveness of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur we see it in the energy of joy and unity on Sukkot and Simchat Torah as I was telling you this uh, afternoon in the class we should just look to Sukkot like you know when we are in Passover we look to Shavuot so when we are uh, starting it now before the high holidays We should look all the way to Sukkot. Why? Because it represents our Messiah more clearly. Emmanuel, God within us. I mean, it's like more clearly, right there. We're getting right there. Uh, It's a a beautiful picture of the Messiah living within us. Can you imagine that? Living with him. him. He's going to teach us the Torah as it is. It's not going to be more misrepresentations of the Torah, more misinterpretations. No more Midrashim, no more Talmud, no more anything, but Messiah himself teaching us the Torah, when we're sitting next to him, dancing with him, eating with him. That's amazing. I'm waiting for that day. This is a story of love. Essentially, this cycle is the story of love, betrayal and reconciliation. The later 60-day period of Elul and Tishrei is the final chapter of the story of love, lost and love reclaimed. After the betrayal of the Golden Calf, Moses does everything possible to woo God back into relationship with the people. In little, Moses succeeds to have God consider the proposition. On Rosh Hashanah, God God finally agrees to recommit. Yom Kippur is the chuppah, the wedding ceremony, we then dance and sing in the wedding celebration of Sukkot. The union is consummated in Shemeni Zaret, followed by the final burst of ultimate unbridled joy on Simchat Torah. Elul's name is derived from the Babylonian language, from an Akkadian word. It means harvest. In Hebrew, the name is an acronym taken from Song of Song 6 3, literally, I am for my beloved and my beloved is for me. An acronym for the Jewish month of Elul, referring to the particular closeness between God and his people during this month. So let's talk about, about, about that a little bit. Uh, you probably you might be tired of this thing, but you know I, I have to show you where we are. All the time, we need to know what time is it and where we are, right? We all are about time. Time is money, the American way says, right? But for God, time is everything. He invented the time, and He wants to meet with us in His time. His Mo'adim are right there. Don't miss the appointment. We have an appointment with God all the time. Don't miss it. So we are in that process. Where we are? This is the third week. We're going to read right now the fourth week of of the uh, I say seven weeks of consolation. We are about to read Shaftim, which we're going to talk about a little bit eventually. And this is the month of Elul. Moving to Rosh Hashanah, Shabbat Shubah, very important. The 10 days of Av, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, Rosh Hashanah, and Many Aser, Simchat Torah. Sukkot, very, I mean, beautiful. We got plans for this Sukkot from the ministry of the, the Pray Warriors. And we're going to try to, all of us, participate in it, even the teenagers. Okay, we're gonna to try to get together all of us for that day. I can build the sukkah myself, but it's not my sukkah. It's all of us. It's ours. Otherwise, I will build it in my house. If no one cooperates, how do you like that? So, <laughs> so yeah, all of us. Which if you can't do that, but just you know, put just little uh, things on it, then it look better. It look good. Uh, the next step we do, so Elul is time for repentance and preparation for the high holidays of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. As I said before, um, the shofar is blown every morning from the first day of Elul until Rosh Hashanah. This is traditional and it's beautiful. The commandment is to hear the shofar. So, but I can hear it when I blow it, do you? So, it is customary to blow the shofar every morning, except on Shabbat, that's the tradition, from Rosh Hodesh Elul, the first day of the month, until the day before Rosh Hashanah. This is meant to be a calling to repent, and eventually to pray and to do charity. Um, It is customary to recite Psalm 17 every day from Rosh Hodesh Elul to Rosh Hashanah Rabbah on Sukkot. For fifty days from Rosh Halish, head of the month, of Elul to the seventh day of Sukkot or Shana Rabbah, we recite this Psalm this Psalm twice a day, morning and evening. Its opening line is the key for all the aforementioned experiences. God is my light. The purpose of light is to reveal, it enables us to see clearly that which it shines upon this anthem gives voice to our sense that during this time of year is uniquely accessible. And we therefore can open the doors of our consciousness to God and allow his light to reveal all that we possess. But have somehow missed in the dim corridors of everyday life. And then we said this, Selichot, Selichot, our sister, uh, Shelly was talking about that this morning. I really encourage you to look back into the archives and look into her class from this morning. It was amazing. It was really uh, very good insights for us to understand how to prepare. If you haven't heard that class, I really encourage you all of us to hear that class again. Bobby has uh, other good classes on the part shot that we also need to... Very good insights and introductions that you you should also hear. A major ritual practice of Elulis to recite the morning Salihat, which are selected prayers for forgiveness. Some, during this time, some visit the graves of loved ones. Many believers, many Jews also all, uh, visit the graves of loved ones throughout the month in order to remember and honor those people in our past who inspired us to live more fully in the future. Um, another very good custom is really good. It's, uh, it's, this is called Ketiva Bahatimatova. Yet another custom that is considered a social custom is to begin or end all letters written during the month of Elul, which wishes that the recipient have a good year. With all this technology, we don't write letters or cards anymore. But I still receive cards from you. You know who you are. I still receive some. And I'm, I'm really, I really appreciate them because no one writes with their hands anymore. But we should do that. I mean, it's more personal, kind of, you know, because no one takes the time to do anything. If they text you, you're lucky. And if you understand, understand the text, it's even better. Sometimes you don't get it. If you use voice text, you don't want me to do that. So, yeah, it doesn't pick up my accent, and uh, people are like, what? So, no way. So, uh, the blessing for this kind of custom is ketiva a good writing and sealing of judgment, meaning that the person should be written and sealed in the book of life for a good year. Tradition teaches that Rosh Hashanah is in Rosh Hashanah. Each person is written down for a good or for a poor year, based on their actions in the previous one. And their sincere efforts at atoning for mistakes of, of or harm. On Yom Kippur, the fate is sealed. Uh-huh. That's, again, we are re- just rehearsing for the things to come. This is well, all the festivals today, it's just a rehearsal. we not. It's it's just shadows of things to come. They'll be there. We have not even an idea how it's going to be, but it's going to be beautiful. I trust, uh, you know, I trust the Lord that it's going to be beautiful. So the major themes on this ho- high holidays are repentance, teshuva, of course. Uh, literally, teshuva means return. Uh, repentance is a return of the of to the correct path of. Observance of, of God's commandment, tefillah, prayer. Of course, we're gonna have a great service of prayer. That's gonna be next 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 Sunday. Next Sunday, we're gonna have a, a good service. Actually, it's gonna be a service, not just praying, but a service, a teaching. It's gonna be a teaching on repentance and all of that. I really encourage you to to be here. Be here for that service. It's gonna be great. And of course, tzedakah. That's one of the very important things that we should do on this period of time. Um, And definitely, introspection. Did I say it right this time? In modern society, a person will will not appear in court without preparing his or her case so as to be able to present it to the judge in the most convincing fashion. Therefore, a law is an annual opportunity for all the believers for self-examination and preparation for the judgment. Of course, we should do this every day, the whole year. But this is a good time to do it. You know, in times, in times uh, of God's moedim. Um, now, what kinds of what what we read in this month? We read four beautiful um, parashiyot, even five. Uh, sometimes we read Nitzavim and Vayelech together. And remember, Yeshua is in the desert 2,000 years ago, while everyone in the planet is reading these verses, these, these portions of the Torah. So remember that. Just thank him that he's been three weeks in the desert 2,000 years ago. And so we read uh, in this month, we read Shaftim, that's one of my favorites, Kitatse, Kitavo, Nitzavim Vayelech. Over the course of a month, the community reads four or five weekly Torah portions. These individual portions can be combined and viewed as a single unit based on the particular month in which they are most commonly read. Indeed, one finds when viewing the Parsha throughout this calendaric lens, length, the outstanding arrays of thematic elements consistent with the spiritual energy of the month are revealed. Fittingly, the Torah portion we read during Elul from Shoftim through Netzavim teaches about Teshuvah, and it's called, who uh, says this, Elul. Healthy self, healthy self judgment and self improvement. I mean, if you love to criticize, I know you don't like that, but some Martians do. They do love to criticize others, but I would rather criticize myself. Uh, you know, it says here, healthy self judgment. Don't judge yourself harshly. Okay. And you need to have self-improvement. So these portions will help you. Shoftim, for instance, begins. You shall set up judges and law enforcement officials for yourself in all your gates, course of your cities. They used to have in the gates. They used to have the judges right in, in the gates of the cities. That Hashem, your God, is giving you for your tribes. And they shall judge the people with righteous judgment, so they were repre- they were representing God, all these judges they were representing God. The specific instruction is to set up judges and law enforcement for yourself that 's the only time God allow us to vote for something. The body is a temple now let 's look at it spiritually. The body is a temple a house of the soul, to be protected and guard from dangerous and destructive influences. We have given natural biological gates to protect ourselves, such as eyelids, no, some things you don't want to see, just close your eyes. Very simple. To protect our vision Lips and teeth to protect our digestion, but mostly, and most important, our speech. Again, that's not a problem here in Bethlehem. That's just for the Martians. It's a congregation in Mars. Really bad, bad Martians. Um That's the uh, speech. Erloves to allow us to filter the sounds that reach us. Some things you you don't want to hear. Anybody can touch you? Hear things naturally? Can you do this? Huh? I hear. I don't hear anything. Blah, 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 blah. I don't hear. Right? So when someone is a a Martian comes to you and he's trying to gossip about somebody even if it's someone that you don't know an artist, a musician, whatever. So you do this. And you walk away. A very good God is judging us right here. God is putting judges into our own bodies, our temple, or His temple, actually. Uh, then nostrils to close against unwanted scents. This is some people who don't take showers, maybe. So you go like, ah. But anyways, that's another thing. Against unwanted sense. It is up to devise a system of judgment and law enforcement for ourselves to use this naturally provide gates to guard our senses from harmful input. The verse also specifies righteous judgment, alluding to the wholesome, joyful way we are to scrutinize our lives during this month. so scrutinize our lives is very important. That's Shaftim. Kitate begins. That's the next portion. If you go out to battle above your enemies. And Hashem your God delivers them into your hand. Dividing 21.10. 21, Spiritually. This refers to the battle with our own yetzer hara. What is jeser evil. evil inclination. Our evil inclination. Do you know that Satan, the first thing that he started to manifest himself is the jeser That's one of the... You, Satan is another spirit, right? And he manifests in different ways. So he starts with the jeser within ourselves. So anytime you have an evil inclination, it is Satan trying to mess with you. So, inclination toward negative states, words and actions. The verse is telling us, know that you are essentially above your internal enemies, and you can and will be victorious during this month of Teshuvah. We shall call forth the part of us deep within that which is above struggle. How do you like that? I do you love it? I love it. Kitabo is the next one, contains the tochecha. What is tochecha? The energies of rebuke. You see, the book of the varying is about rebukes. Moses is rebuking his people before they get into the land. Right? So he's worried about him. Just like when your children is going out the first time and you yeah, make sure, don't do this, don't do that. That's what Moses is doing here. That's the tochecha, the rebuke. The energies of rebuke that can manifest in our lives, if we stray from our spiritual path, it also contains the blessing and the state of fulfillment we will experience if we serve Hashem with joy. Getting clear on this relationship of cause and effect can motivate us to do teshuvah even more diligently during the second half of Elul. Then very interesting. This is the portion Yeshua read on the synagogue uh, of what the, what's the name of that synagogue? is the Capernaum, I think. It was Capernaum? Yes. So he came back after he did his fasting and prayer for 40 days. It took him about eight, 10 days to get back to the town, and then he was reading this portion. The word Netzavim means standing strong and upright. Remember, the Gospel describes when everybody is standing, and he's reading the portion, and the same thing is happening in Netzavim. The word Netzavim means standing strong and upright, reminding us that we can reclaim our full spiritual stature during this month of hard spiritual work. This source teaching of Teshuvah is also found in this Torah reading. For this mitzvah that I commanded you today, it is not hidden from you and is not distant. The 30:11. According to Rambam, this mitzvah refers to teshuva. And today it, uh, is its most important element. Even in the last week of Elul, we should do teshuva today. Today. The message is for today. Tomorrow is going to be today too. So it's Today. Each day must be approached as if we are starting anew. Since every moment is literally a new creation never seen before, you can always start over even right now. You want to start over? Yes, I know you want to start over. So let's review Shoftim a little bit. We're going to review Shoftim quickly. What is Shoftim all about? It's, uh, Shoftim is a Continuity. Of the rest of the commandments We've been reading the, the extensive commandments In the portions of the Torah And this is uh, one of the commandments It has to do with honor your parents So you start honoring your parents at home But also you need to uh, uh, Honor the national leadership And this is about Israel Okay, The national leadership on Israel and so, in here, it talks about uh, these are the portions. But in here, in order uh, in order to be God's amkadosh nation, uh, holy nation, there are some special commandments established by Him. Special dietary dietary laws, laws of the seven-year shemitah cycle, shemitah cycle, and national economic policy which helps. Guarantee social justice. Warnings against evil influences which could thwart the development of God's special nation. So, and then, that was the last portion, actually. It was the Ray A. This is shuffling. Establishment of a judicial system. The appointment of a king. um, Laws of... Laws for the religious leadership and Levites and regarding the prophets. That's what the portion of Shaftim is all about. This is it. The last was Re'eh. I just forgot to put the mark on it. But the Torah in Shoftim that we are about to read talks about all of this. It talks about Melech, a political leader who represents the nation. A Kohen from the Levites, the Levites. He's a religious leader and a civil servant. Some Levites were also Naviim. And Navi was also religious and a spiritual guide and national director. And I think most of the prophets in the Bible were Levites, if not all of them. Even John the Baptist was from the Levites. Uh, and the Shofet was a judge who was part of the judicial system. A shofet was a judge who was part of the judicial system. Uh, And they were the ones who were put the enforcement as well. Uh, Shoftim is based around the fact that uh, though Israel has many judges, there is only one true judge, which is God. The Haftarah also asked, Why are you afraid of a man who must die? God is the only true Savior. And the only one who comforts. Haftarash is the fourth of Isaiah's seven messages of consolation. Isaiah was a prophet who lived in the time of Babylonian exile. And consoled Israel with comforting prophecies of the return to Israel. The messianic version should include Isaiah 52 to 53.12. Why do you know? You know why. Because Yeshua is mentioned right there. The selected verses of the traditional portion recall the weight of the exile and expresses hope for the greatness of the promised future redemption. Concludes with a poem to God for the people's departure out of exile, which is not happening at the time of Isaiah's prophecy. So it's talking about also the future. Lul. It's a picture of the beginning of Yeshua's ministry. Because you've, you've been thinking, what is all of this about? What it has to do with Yeshua, right? You're like, okay, that's cool, but what is it? Hello is a picture of the beginning of Yeshua's ministry. He started it right before Rosh Hashanah, 40 days before, and so on. We've been talking about it from uh, uh, Tisha B'Av, which some rabbis, and I do believe he was baptized right before uh, Tisha B'Av, or on Tisha B'Av, actually. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. That's the picture of the Sukkah and Sukkot, that time of Sukkot. Um, during His temptation, Yeshua quoted the Parishiyot V'yadhanam, and Ekev and Rid Haftara, Natsivin right before Rosh Hashanah. John the Immerser, Yeshua, and the Apostles preach about repentance. That's the main message. Repent. Teshuvah, come back to the Lord. That's the main topic message of all of them. And, of course, the, we've been watching this graphic at the class uh, made out, out of the mind of uh, Rabbi Rosenberg. And we got the portions right there. We are reading right before Rosh Hashanah. Uh, I encourage you to keep studying it. The Yeshua's journey then on this season is from the ninth of Ab, the 40 days in the wilderness, returns to Nazareth, reads from Nitzavim before he it starts his ministry in Rosh Hashanah. Uh, you told me Capernaum. Capernaum is in Nazareth? Maybe. I don't know. I've never been there. Um, to Shabbat, 40 days before he started his ministry, was turning, returning to Nazareth as Shabbat before Rosh Hashanah. Today, approximately 2,000 years ago, should be like, I don't even know how many days. I didn't count them. It's 21st, 22nd days in the wilderness where he was fasting for 40 days, 40 days before the second temple was destroyed. It was also 40 years before the temple was destroyed. Prophesied by himself. And by John the Baptist as well. So. Um, therefore. And this this is Philippians quoting Isaiah. Therefore God raised him. To the highest place and gave him. The name above every name. So some people worry about the name. Oh we should say the name. Blah blah blah. No, don't worry about it. Read this. And. He says here, Therefore God raised him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name, that in honor of the name given Yeshua, every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue will acknowledge that Yeshua the Messiah is Adonai, to the glory of God the Father. Philippians 2.11 Quoting again Isaiah 45.23 of the Complete Jewish Bible. Another thing we repeat every, every, um, um, in every, I'm about to finish, in every, uh, what should I call it? Selichot is um, the 13 attributes of mercy, which says, Adonai, Adonai, El rachum Hanam Erech Hapayim. Rav khasad emet and sir has said la la alafim no avon no pesach, pensar no sei pechar no which means the lord the lord god compassionate gracious slow to anger abounding in loving kindness um in other words, he says, his covenant keeping unchanging nature and emphasizes his unchanging character and his mercy. The creator king undercourting his capacity for mercy. Uh, he's compassionate. He showers grace in favor of the, um, the serving. Slow to anger, his, he passionately waits for, for you to repent. Abounding in loving kindness to both the righteous and the uh, unrighteous. It represents truth, Emmet is truth. He's fair and equitable in his justice, keeps loving kindness for thousands. His generational covenant devotion is boundless. Forgiveness, iniquity, intentional sins, forgiveness, transgression, rebellious sins, forgiveness, and inadvertent sins. And who cleanses? He cleanses our sins as well. He's also justice. Um, so, don't forget the main themes of this month and the high holidays, the Shabbat, the phila, For us, the Messianic believers, a lul is a picture of the beginning of Yeshua's ministry because the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Dwelling is a tent, a tabernacle, a sukkah. Yeshua is the King of the universe who left His glorious place and became flesh to live among us, to tabernacle among us. He lived here on our field by being a mortal and a simple simple tent of flesh, just like us. There is still time to approach Him. Don't waste your time anymore. It's a good time for us to not only approach the Torah, but also practice. You know, study the Torah, but also practice the Torah. Some people will just study. Again, these are Martians, not I people. They will study the Torah. They will know everything, but they won't practice. That's not the way God wants us to, to be. Let's pray. Abba, thank you for your amazing love. Thank you for Yeshua, our Messiah. Thank you, Father, for everything that you've given us. Help us, Lord, to approach the King more and more, every day, but especially in this season. Help us, Father, to repent. Help us to do tefillah. And help us to do sedaka. Help us not to be with our hand empties. Uh, help us to just approach the throne the way you want us to approach it. And Lord, just, uh, we come to your presence in repentance. And everyone who needs helping here will have it because you promise that you're going to help us and save us. Thank you, Father. B'shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen.